0: This is Startup, a limited podcast series brought to you by Ossa Collective. In these episodes, we'll be taking a look at the podcast advertising marketplace through the eyes of the most experienced industry professionals, giving you the best information and practices so that your brand can join in the fastest growing advertising medium. In this episode, host and founder of Ossa, Marla Isaacson, sits down with Adam Gilbert, co-founder of Sounds Profitable, Brian Barletta, and SVP of Growth at Veritone One, Bart Roselli, to talk about the how and why of podcast advertising. Okay, so I'm gonna do a couple of stats just to frame the industry, which is growing like crazy. So, uh, May 2023, the uh, seventh annual IAB Podcast Ad Revenue Report uh, really reported a remarkable growth of over 150 percent in U.S. podcast ad revenue from 2020 to 2022 which outpaces digital advertising market overall growth rate. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you, Brian. There are a couple of cool stats from your podcast opportunity report, but let me let me start by framing kind of what we want to talk about. So when people say to you, like, what's up with podcast advertising? What, what are the benefits? What do you say to them? Based you on know, yeah.
1: And and this is a fun one that I want to follow up with Bart on too, is um, podcasting, when you decide to look at it as a silo, I think is is very valuable to the people who've decided that podcasting is its own business silo. And we have leaders in that space, right? When you look at the top podcast list, but podcasting is influencer marketing. It's uh, audio, digital audio. It's <clears throat> video now. It's everything. And... When we look at it as podcasting, we can say those great stats, like you said, but if we just said podcasting is part of influencer marketing and podcasting is the most effective form of influencer marketing, we're now part of a massive cap. Podcasting is the most effective form of audio advertising. Again, massive. These are all areas. You can't put a pixel in YouTube. You can do technical attribution in podcasting, right? You can't put a pixel in your Instagram live, right? Like, or anything like that. You can in podcasting. But Bart, I, I'd love to hear your thought real quickly to just to pass on there. Like, what do you think about that on on like, if should podcasting be a silo or influencer or other channels?
2: Yeah, so kind of echo a lot of that. I think what we can say about it now is different than 10 years ago, um, because we're right, like, <laughs> Coming from radio, TV, print, and direct mail, and that was really it. Like to now, like the IB took notice because they had to based on the spending that was taking the place. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's it's part of an audio and influencer portfolio. When we thought about audio before, it was like oh, it was radio, and then it was kind of like satellite. Now it's like blurring on the sense of what really can podcasting not do in terms of being audio and visual, plus the the advancement of pixel tracking, which has progressed a lot. And I was happy to see that there was some movement this year um, in the space, getting more people in there, which creates accountability across the board, because I think now it's just going like, wow, it can get to be so much if you're coming into the space, like, because it's almost
0: overwhelming. So Bart, when uh, your clients come to you and say, you've got big clients, but putting that aside, where do I start? What do I do? How do I think, ben? I know I'm supposed to be in this, but what am I supposed to be doing? What approach do you guys take?
2: The first one we do is, I mean, it sounds rudimentary to some of us have been in the business for a long time, but it's like, what is your goal? Like, what are you looking for? Are you looking for acquisitions? Are you looking for reach? You know, do you need it in a specific time frame, or do you just care about CPA? I'd say more often than not, Poddex, Podcast is going to index extremely well for customers of all ages you know anything from 18 all the way up to 54 and the reason being is there's content that speaks to all of that like you can target somebody young you can target them in gaming you can still target them in news talk conservative talk fiction true crime things of that nature so i think the first thing is just really assessing what are you trying to get out of the channel because there's many different ways to execute it from you know embedded ads host read ads which the performance marketers you know obviously default and love to but dynamic ad insertion? What about with like Black Friday, Cyber Monday promotions? Like you don't want your ad sitting in perpetuity for long periods of time if you need customers to hit during a time when your promotion expires. So it's a lot of asking those questions first and not just going like, all right, let me just like square peg round hole this. Like this is definitely how it should be done because there's a lot of different strategic ways you can execute, which I think is the benefit of podcast now.
0: Thanks, Bart. So Brian, I'm going to ask you a question. So. From your perspective, your background, and um, what would you say to a brand when they're like, they're like, how do I initiate podcast advertising? What kinds of things, from an industry perspective or a research perspective, do you think brands or advertisers need to consider? Yeah, there are definitely micro details when you're working with agencies, but anything from a, a research or industry perspective.
1: Um, I think that a lot of A lot of what we end up doing is reminding the brands that they're the client they're the customer um, which is pretty rough and then the real big thing is i i kind of ask them like is this about performance or ego because you know their boss is the one buying the billboard in times square pointing to it on instagram and they get no credit or no fun with that sometimes it's nice to hear the brand that you bust your ass for like said by a host that you respect and maybe that's worthwhile. Maybe that's valuable to you. Maybe that's helpful in a reel that helps with marketing or whatnot. Or maybe you need to buy incredibly wide announcer ed, you know your message and you need to go for the lowest CPM possible with the highest conversion. And it's just really know what you wanna get out of it before you spend. And then you you really can't do wrong because if it's performance, Then you use the right tools, you monitor it, you throw away what definitely doesn't work. You challenge them to improve what could work and you stick with and double down on the things that are working. If it's, if it's ego, call the top 10 networks, get, get Dag Shepard, get Joe Rogan, get, you know, everybody to, to say your podcast uh, or sorry, your product in their podcast, because that's valuable to you. Everything can be a win if you know what you're buying.
0: So you're sort of, touching into like the the details of, of a campaign. So I wanna ask the big question that I know is interesting to people. So uh, host red ads, baked in, faked in, dynamic ads. I'm gonna toss this over to you Bart first. So,
2: well, I don't know if there's enough time here this one, <laughs> but, uh, from well, Brian and Adam heard me. Yeah, Thanks.
0: that's like a ringer kind of question. So I knew that. Stop
2: yeah. Um right. So look, I think there it's there's a couple of different ways you can carve it up is performance-based marketers, embedded ads as a foundation, not always, tend to outperform dynamic. Now, that has evolved and changed, especially with pixel tracking. Um and execution being important but as i mentioned earlier is it's like what are you trying to accomplish what's your what's your campaign's goal um and look embedded ads drive really strong results there's very few mediums where you can say hey i'm gonna run and run an ad and it's not there's not somebody in the production thing going no no no, you're up on time like wrap it up wrap it up like they might go 70 80 seconds long for something you're paying 60 seconds for that's hard to really compute whatever from that perspective in terms of value but you can see things pop really quickly there's a delayed response effect which again depends on what your campaign's goals are the best thing about the ecosystem is that it's so massive that you don't have to follow a one size fits all way um so to me it's both are always going to be available and are going to be necessary because i don't think it's ever going to fully go one way or the other that's my subjective opinion
0: So, Brian, I want to ask you a question because you just did some research on this very recently in terms of metrics, which is um, brands understanding now that they actually can um, measure the success of the campaign. So can you talk about that and um, sort of what you heard from brands and where the disconnect's been?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, last summer, podcast movement in Dallas, um, we were all uncomfortable. I think we were a, a recession was looming that never happened. We were being challenged constantly. The media only wanted to talk about how much Spotify um spent and and how much they quote unquote messed up. Personally, by the way, I believe that they bought us 5 years worth of knowledge. Like they they determined nobody wants to go to a specific app for a show, which before Spotify doing that we didn't know, right? We thought it could be like streaming. Um and what we learned when we did one of our last pieces of research was that people are comfortable and they believe the measurements there, but it's it's still pulling teeth. What provider can work on what platform? Who is and is not IAB certified, right? Who what is your discrepancy between that uh, that measurement and attribution partner and the hosting platform? That sync is is very close to being perfect by default right now. If they're an incumbent, if they've been in the space for two years, I, I feel we are very, very close to saying that like we're not seeing drastic differences there but before but like august last year yeah we sure were this year it feels more confident the buyers feel more comfortable and confident with it they do want to do think more things like Bart is saying um but without being able to put the same technology on your entire buy You can't do that, right? Uh, Frequency capping is a killer example. People want that more and more. But if I buy from 10 individual shows saying, I'll buy your full catalog, but I'd like to frequency cap, I can't get them the same information for them to do it. There's a technology vast. Instead of putting the MP3 file up there, it effectively uses my own ad server as the buyer to let me decision if I want that ad or not. Some platforms can handle it, some can't. So it gets us closer, but we're still not everywhere. And that would allow me to say, ah, I've already gotten that person too much. I don't want that one. Gets into programmatic, gets into other things. But that, Like there's so much nuance in there. And when you guys are talking about host thread versus announcer, and, and also you threw in dynamic insertion versus integrated or baked in, I want to separate those. We have the creative type and then we have the delivery method. You can do a dynamically inserted host thread. Super, it happens. Maritone does it. I'm sure you guys do it. Um, When we did a we did a piece of research in a vacuum. Jordan Harbinger read an ad for Athletic Greens, which was host endorsed. And then we had a scripted version by an announcer in that silo of a test. When the content and the ad match, when the production quality was high, when it was only one ad, it was less than a 7% difference between preferring the endorse versus uh, preferring the announcer, right? The announcer was only 7% dip, negligible when you buy from that host you can say well how many ad placements do you have how many like how many ads per placement are there will i be first second or third right will i want to buy this episode and skip an episode and come back for the next one i'm comfortable buying your back catalog at a lower cpm when you buy it with an announcer sometimes if you buy direct you can have that level of control but likely they're going to prioritize it for their more expensive host right. but when you buy a programmatic we don't have all those signals yet. Those are things that that's another example of what we're doing with Sounds Profitable is what other signals should we be passing into the bid stream so people can value things higher and lower? This is the third ad break and you are the third position in it, meaning that you could be the ninth total ad. What is this value to you in that request versus being the second ad break first ad? So Adam, you want to
0: comment on that? Yeah. I mean, again, uh, you know, going back
3: to the question about host rate ads. And uh baked in a dynamic. Um I mean the, the the industry kind of evolved uh there was there was a movement on uh, a lot of the large uh large networks um basically went to full dynamic um ad inserting for everything. And they said this is what we're gonna do. And um that's it. We're just doing everything dynamically inserted, all who ads. And as a result, you know, performance, for the most part, really suffered, um, you know, with exceptions. But that was, that was relatively the case. And a lot of the networks saw diminished uh, revenue from those performance marketers. They went back to those agencies and said, okay, what what do we need to do? And um, and as such, a lot of those, uh, those networks went back to do a... Either embedded ads or what we would call fake in ads, which means that they are dynamically inserted, but they are baked into that particular episode but for a period of time, whether it's a month, two months, whatever it is um so that that that's kind of the evolution the The question is uh you know what is the most effective The issues that I've kind of ran into, and this is most recent um that companies like podscribe has has kind of uncovered over the last few months or half a year is that they've done a lot of research and analysis on um, a lot of DAI campaigns that I've seen, at least. Um, And, you know, Bart, you can kind of correct me because I know you you do a lot of work with PodScribe, but, um, you know, a lot of the analysis has shown that what happens with a lot of these DAI campaigns is actually, well, Specifically with networks that are not frequency tapping on the campaigns is that you're basically hitting or you're pummeling on uh, the, the same listener the same unique audience. can I jump in
1: on that? Yeah, please do so they're not actually okay this isn't malicious in any capacity. it's not manually set up. There's a flaw in the system okay. A lot of the decisioning, like when we think about dynamic ad insertion, right, the requests come in. Let's say 100 requests come in right now that look exactly the same. I have to send out responses. If they're all at the same time and I haven't had a chance to confirm what I sent out, counted as a download, and that had ad delivery, I can't update my database. So all 100 of those get sent out, and I had frequency cap one. And I'm not, for whatever reason, and, and this is something that hosting platforms are working on and improving on their frequency capping. I'm not saying that on average, when I send out whatever I send out, 70% of it does become a download. So I'm throttling appropriately. Or I'm saying when the request comes in that look like it my frequency cap is one, then pace it, take a breath. It's OK if you miss this one here. Um, because of that, what happens is all of a sudden that frequency cap one, all 100 come back and say, it was like that one like we just served all of those right it sent them all at the same time it's not actually a user the, the main issue there was apple podcast was auto downloading when people would resume listening to a show so let's say you stopped listening at episode 50 and you came back at episode 450 and you hit auto download it would say give me 400 episodes and then the operating system would collapse it 400 downloads would come through and be sent there'd be enough for iab standards but only 300 or only 50 of them would be downloaded the next day again Again, again, Pete crushed this with Podscribe. His view was the first time we looked at it as a campaign. And individual campaigns get sucked into those vortexes. And what we found is that frequency capping needs to be improved and logic about that. What you send out matters as much as what you get back for confirmation. And we need to look into that. We also found out that there can be delay between the episode going live and dynamic insertion, which the term embedded, we need to get away from faked in because it's a bad term. Embedded is the idea of using dynamic ad insertion to 100% share a voice in a specific episode for a specific period of time. That, <clears throat> that solution right there, there is a possibility that the downloads and, and impressions don't match because the ad server isn't cached. It isn't up to date. There, there are so many small reasons why that kills performance. If the first two hours of a show go live, like, or the, like the, those are the people who said, I'd like to auto download the show, which there's rules and parameters that reject, like, uh, knock people out of auto download closer and closer to reality. So it's likely that people are listening now. Um, you're losing your P1 listeners. You're losing the people that are most likely to convert. So, like you said, a lot of people did revert back to integrated, formerly baked in, because There's no ad serving. You want to buy that episode 100% of the downloads. What happens is that the the editor puts that ad in there and it's just every download has your ad. There's no way around it. And I think for for performance agencies, like a lot of them pushed on that. And you'll see those numbers from the IAB, which they tout that brand advertising is going to exceed direct demand uh, or direct uh, response advertising. Uh, or direct-to-consumer advertising in 2023, you look at those numbers, brand advertising got a nice growth, but that direct-to-consumer took a dip on growth massively because people like Veritone smartly said, I'm not buying that.
3: Right. So I I guess my question back to you, Brian, is what happens now? How how does a brand advertiser respond?
1: Um, Yeah. Um, scale pricing. I think that at the end of the day, when, if you come and you said like to buy something and you like, it's okay to say, I would very much like an integrated ad and expect to pay for it. Right. If you know what you want, you want it integrated in there, pay, you got to pay top dollars. Sometimes that's fine. Accept that and move on when they say to you, well, we can't do that, but we'll offer you embedded dynamic ad insertion. Right. You can say that's fine, but you know, knock $10 off the price and understand that for each 5% of failure to deliver the total CPM has to be devalued right? Because I'm losing key audience there. It. Or or, or it, yeah, if, if if it hits 20% under deliver, maybe the campaign it, you aren't responsible for it financially. And that's where we're working on with brands now because what we need to do is help those brands and agencies. And we're actually working very close with Veritone on it to come up with some standard IO terms so that brands can protect themselves. Because the the idea is that This pushes publishers to push their hosting platforms for the features they need. We've had about two years of tech uh, stagnation on the hosting platform side. Next year is going to be a bloodbath of competition when it comes to hosting platforms and ad servers. Yeah, because we're we're past the point where you can just go on the ad server that gives you the most ad revenue. It's now the tech that allows you to sell and represent yourself and let other people sell you easily. That's what 2024 is going to be. I am so excited for it.
0: And we're very excited at ASA. <laughs> yeah, have more else to come because we we definitely address that um, for sure. I just want to talk about um, ad load, which is yet another thing that I think advertisers need to consider, especially if they are just focused on. I want to work with the biggest podcasters. Um, can you talk about any one of you take that? Um, ad, uh, you know, ad load and. Um, you know, ad skipping. Who wants to take that?
2: I could start from the ad load specific perspective because it's been a, I call it passion and a pain point uh, this year with with our team. Um, which is, look, here's the thing: we we are a victim of our own success. So yeah. the channel is growing massively. Networks, and again, this I'm speaking in aggregate because if you want to look at just the top pod track shows, like that's that's a certain percentage of the ecosystem, but Majority of campaigns maybe don't even totally broach into some of those shows. It's the tier two to five shows that make up a lot of campaigns as well. But what's happening is networks go, okay, like, and this is where I think this year has been a great splash of cold water, which is networks tended to overpay to acquire some big name content and then oh. use that to attract. A larger umbrella shows underneath it. But then the thing was, let's pass the cost of goods onto the marketers and combine it with an interesting year this year in the marketplace and people just stop buying. Now those bar tabs come due this year. And I think there's going to be some decisions made. What happens is then an hour go like, how do I make money? The whole goal for everybody is to monetize every single year, make the advertisers and clients happy, but they have to do that. In order to do that, in some cases without a more strategic thinking that I'd like to see is they're just injecting more ads into the podcast, which if not done carefully uh, and how it's done properly is the number one thing we don't want is to make it turn into, you know, a traditional like a radio pod or thing of that nature. We want it to be content sandwiched within, you know, ad sandwiched around content. But how we look at it is like, okay, you need to know from like a buying perspective XYZ show had X number of ads, X number of pre, mid, post. How far apart in between the mids were those ads? Like, or am I going back to back? Because to Brian's point, then the devaluation is what? Like you need to quantify that, right? Um, But then, okay, well, if I bought said show and I renewed it, or I'm looking at a presenting sponsorship, what's the intent of the network in terms of monetizing that show? Are they going to change that ecosystem? Because then what you negotiated and bought could change from a structural integrity perspective. And we saw some pretty aggressive changes in performance because network's are like, all right, well, we're just going to inject more ads into our top shows. So it looks like we're holding CPMs. So there is a chemistry set to this that I think networks are realizing and understanding. And the great thing from a buying perspective for, for client's benefit is if it gets to a point of diminishing returns, then you can always just go somewhere else and buy a certain show because there's always going to be a maturation of a show, maybe starting out, maybe it's 10,000 downloads, but by the end of the year, it could be 100,000. That's the true power of the channel. But in that growth perspective, at some point, the networks have to renegotiate with their talents, refigure out the ad structure. But as a buyer, you have to make sure that you're understanding the cause and effect and where those ad loads are being placed so you can evaluate because then you're inserting more variables on top of creative time of year external market factors. And that's you want to be able to confidently relate to your your clients or partners why you're doing and what you're doing and the cause and effect is because of XYZ.
3: Okay, I think Bart said initially when, when he was talking about how effective podcasts were way back when is low ad Um And I think, again, I think our, the industry as a whole, especially the largest broadcasters or podcasters um, have got, gotten away from it uh, and they just. They continued to just kind of um, increase the ad loads um, year after year, and uh, it's having an effect overall on performance. Um, you know, I come from a company that was probably one of the worst offenders. I won't mention names, but uh, it had a significant impact overall on performance. And, and it was tough to overcome in terms of uh, trying to rebuild um, not only performance, but also the trust of those marketers. To try to you know go back and retest those those podcasts and and that, and, and uh, that
1: network. It's scary, right? Because like think about it, what do they they have to pause to like revamp it, right? The like you know I'll I'll just say the iHeart podcasts have like four ad breaks of four ads each, right? It's I'm trained now to skip it because it's just too much. If I'm washing my my hands and I get an iHeart ad break, I'm I, I consider it being whammed, right? Like ah how do I how do I skip? Um, it, that's tough. Like, what could they do? They pause. They revamp everything. They drop it to four total ads, and they have to prove by taking risks on those advertisers, reducing their load by a, a third or a fourth. And like, and then when performance works, they'll go out. Because I, I bet Bart, if they said that to you, like, "Hey, we want to do this. We'll keep the same rate. We're going to drop it to only four total ads instead of twelve total ads." But we're gonna to have to triple the price. You're gonna say, absolutely. If the performance is triple the value, sure, we'll try it at the current price, and then if performance matches it, and for some of these, it really would, right? When their hosts endorsed, like, that's great. But a lot of these public companies, they can't. We can't take a month off from earning revenue. We can't revisit it and and retry it. And and so it's uh it's a uh, don't get in that cycle is basically the advice. Work with partners like ASA. Work with directly with Veritone and 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 control as much of that as you can. Because the alternative isn't great.
0: So I'm a brand or advertiser, and I really want to, I have a nice budget. I want to get into the podcast advertising world. There are a lot of agencies, great agencies out there, you know, Veritone. Uh, there are networks like Asa. Uh, there are, there's a whole lot of stuff. What, What should an advertiser brand consider when they're trying to figure out of who to go with or who to work with. Adam.
3: <laughs> I mean there's a lot of variables. Um you 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 have to take into consideration, you know, what, what what your goals are. Exactly. Right. What what type of what are you trying to achieve? Is it brand awareness? Is it attribution, um, you know, customer um, uh attribution uh, you know so it, it really depends on what you're trying to achieve. And then um it, it then we need to just kind of figure out, you know, what is what's the, the best strategy. Um I mean obviously agencies like Bear Tongue, um provide great guidance because they have right. a lot of you know amazing experience and data to be able to guide um, you know their clients. So um working with experienced people like that is is really um important. Um, I, I think what I always what I always stress to uh to advertisers to, to uh to brands is um I always find it interesting when a brand wants to work with one specific network or one specific, you know, broadcast or whatever. Uh that's not necessarily the best way to approach it. Um you really wanna be able to uh make the right decision. Um and the right decision means that um You'd be working with various um, uh, vendors, various networks. Um, so it's really important to kind of get a feel for what's out there, uh, and not just kind of take the first person that you speak to and, and let them sell you on all all of their assets.
0: So Bart, so I guess same question: when kind um, mean, of newbie brands and advertisers come to you and they're like, "Why should we work with you?" How how do you answer that? I mean, because you certainly have extraordinary experience, you know, in this industry, but how do you guide uh, and help a brand navigate through this process?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it takes place in like our business immersion discussions. Like we talked about what are the goals? What are you looking for? Um, Sometimes like Adam, you know, is saying like they come in with a preconceived notion of like how they should execute. And we say, okay, if we execute it that way, this is what's going to happen this is our recommendation on how to approach it from research. I mean, you can't say enough about research, like research removes subjectivity and says, this is what it says based on this data sampling and why it sounds profitable is invaluable because they're independent. Like they, their whole goal is to grow the channel in the industry and provide that level of support. The best thing I can say is again, removing like the, the monetary perspective is like, do not go into podcasts and just, you know, try five shows and try them once and be like, Oh, it didn't work. Like thinking about there's all the the hundreds of millions of people listen to podcasts, but just from like a performance perspective, there's tens of thousands of shows out there. So you're going to throw a dart into an ocean and then expect to hit it out of the park. Like you're not going to hit it out of the park every single time we have hundreds of millions of dollars of data. And you're still not going to be perfect every single time because not every single influencer show resonates with every single brand. So the best thing I would advise clients is like, don't expect like hundred percent of it's not going to work. Let me tell you this right now. Like, but what I can tell you is what doesn't work is just as valuable as the stuff that does, but also make sure like you're testing a good array of shows and don't be ego struck by the fact that you're not on shows that are on the top 500 <laughs> ranking, because that's great. And that could be an aspirational goal. Maybe it's part of the the ego struck Brian was talking to. But if you're looking for results, then you're better to get I uh, test a few dozen shows and then go, okay, how does it work? How do varying size shows work in terms of my customer funnel? Because I can tell you from experience, like, how people buy mattresses is very different than how people buy socks or how people, you know, gamble or buy earbuds and things of that nature. And you have to understand that in the context of how does it work? Every podcast is its own ecosystem. Like that is the most, the most succinct way to describe it. And you need to test of the hundreds of thousands that are out there. You need to at least get a fair sampling so you don't get a false positive or a false negative.
0: Super. Thank you. Yeah, right. So. I think we've covered a whole lot of content today. I want to thank my panel, Um, stay tuned. We have nine more uh, of these sessions, more details to come. We're going to be covering a whole lot of stuff from um, industry lingo, ad formats, uh, media, creating a media campaign. So lots of good stuff coming, Uh, more details to come. And again, I want to thank my illustrious panel I found this really interesting and I always learn something. Okay, guys.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of our startup series. If you're a brand who's looking to get into podcast advertising, come visit our website at ossacollective.com. That's O-S-S-A collective.com to learn more about how you can get started with your first campaign.